Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you had a chance to pause from all the busyness of life to reflect and be thankful to rest and not work and to catch up on relationships in person or virtually. For myself, I love to eat and the holiday season is a great time and a great excuse for me to, to enjoy good food. Thanksgiving usually means turkey, which I prefer to barbecue with mashed potatoes, which I, I spike up with garlic, cream cheese, and mayonnaise. And of course, for dessert, it has to be hot apple pie a la mode. Our family tradition is, is usually to add an Asian flavor to this menu with steamed Dungeness crab, sticky rice with Chinese sausage, and custard pie for dessert. I'm drooling just thinking about it. But this past Thanksgiving was likely for all of us different from previous years. I know for me, it was. Staying at home, no large indoor gatherings with family and friends. Without family gatherings, there's no potluck. Therefore, no bountiful assortment of side dishes, meats, and desserts. There's a saying, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Or you don't know what you have until it's missing. Well, during this pandemic, we as a church have been missing a lot of things. And in-person church community is one of them. Christians call this fellowship. And as the months passed by in the pandemic, with the required necessary social distancing, it will be easy for us to forget the importance of community and have an abnormal normal set in. If we're not careful, this malaise we are feeling from being disconnected from Christian community specifically will be unhealthy and cause some to even fall away from God. If not spiritually, for sure, at least our mental health is impacted. A healthcare resource group reports that avoiding interaction with coworkers, family, and friends contributes to and is a sign of mental stress and anxiety. And if left unaddressed can deteriorate into crisis, connecting, reconnecting with people combats this breakdown. These past weeks, we have been learning lessons from the book of Nehemiah, where the nation of Israel during their exile had settled into a pattern of life that was far away from the way God intended them to live. The people were downtrodden, beaten, and demoralized. Under Nehemiah's leadership, he began to remind the people of both God and his goodness to return them from ruins to restoration, physically, mentally, emotionally, and for sure, spiritually. From the example of Nehemiah, the rebuilding of the wall in Jerusalem was part of a bigger process for God's people to remember together God's goodness to them, individually and corporately, and to move back towards wholeness again. Today, we are going to look at Nehemiah 3 to see the wholeness that comes from God's community and the importance of being proactive in building community especially in our church. My hope today is to help us remember the goodness of God that is found in Christian fellowship and to be grateful for our community, especially in the context of the times we currently find ourselves. Turn with me to Nehemiah chapter three. I'm going to read selected parts of chapter three, starting from verses one to 12. 
Now, before I do that, I want to make this comment about chapters like Nehemiah 3 in the Bible. Many of us just skim over these words quickly because on the surface, it's just a long list of names. A helpful tip in reading these kinds of scripture passages is to look for details that have been recorded for us to note and remember today. So from Nehemiah 3, verses 1 to 12, starting with verse 1. Elijah, the high priest and his fellow priests, went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakor, son of Imri, built Nicol. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassaniah, they laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakos, repaired the section. Next to him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezebel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Bena, also made repairs. The section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. The Jashana gate was repaired by Joida, son of Paseah, and Meshulam, son of Beshoadiah. They laid its beams and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by men from Gibeon and Mishpah, Melatiah of Gibeon and Jadon of Maranoth, places under the authority of the governor of Trans-Euphrates. Uziel, son of Arhiah, one of the goatsmiths, repaired the Nick section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Raphaiah, son of Hur, ruler of a half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the Nick section. Adjoining this, Jediah, son of Haramoth, made repairs opposite his house. And Hatush, son of Habsabniah, made repairs next to him. Malkashah, son of Harim and Hashub, son of Pahakmoab, repaired another section and the tower of the ovens. Shalom, son of Heloesh, ruler of a half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the Nick section with the help of his daughters. And that is the word of the Lord. I love potlucks because of the variety of foods people bring. It's like a smorgasbord buffet or food court. Variety is the spice of life and church community is like a potluck. Like a potluck, first thing I see from Nehemiah 3 is the variety, the diversity in the community. In verses 1 to 12, these verses mention the different groups of people based on social class, profession and occupation, families of origin and hometowns. There's priests, nobles, rulers, goldsmiths, and perfume makers, men and women, sons and daughters, people from Jericho and Tekoa, Gibeon and Maranoth, to name just some details. And in verse 17, the verse there says that the Levites are included in the group. And in verses 31 to 32, merchants are added to the list. God loves diversity. God, our master creator, made people not to be the same. 
We are each uniquely and wonderfully made. And yet in our world today, in our country today, there are dominant cultural forces that don't embrace diversity and differences, but prefer polarizing groups and us versus them mentality rather than we. Even the church is divided, but scripture tells us we have one God, one faith, one body. God wants his people to have unity among diversity. Accepting that diversity is a given. How can the church benefit from it? We see this from Nehemiah 3, that in the midst of diversity, everyone contributes wherever they are and with whoever and whatever they have. And wherever is in front of their own homes. In verse 23, beyond them, Benjamin and Hashub made repairs in front of their house. And next to them, Ezariah, the son of Ananiah, made repairs beside his house. Above the horse gate, the priest made repairs, each, front, each in front of his own house. And next to them, Zadok, son of Immer, made repairs opposite his house. Our church is a commuter church. Our members are spread out geographically around the Bay Area. Nehemiah 3 shows us that the Israelites built in front of their homes. This might be a reminder for us to do God's work in our own neighborhoods like them especially in the times we are now where we cannot all meet in one place together. And whoever they had are their immediate circles, like their families. One of my favorite verses from Nehemiah is verse 12 in chapter three. Verse 12 says, Shalom, son of Heloesh, ruler of a half district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. In, in Ancient biblical culture, sons are regarded as more valuable in their society. Over and over in chapter three, we see son of repeated. Imagine you are a daughter and how would you feel in this culture? Imagine you are a father without sons. Myself, as a father of a daughter myself, I am encouraged that God recognizes daughters in God's work. In verse 12, it is recorded that Shalom, a father who likely had no sons, built the wall with his daughters. God wants people who don't have a woe is me attitude because they are lacking something or someone, but a can do attitude and use whoever and whatever they do have for God's purpose. Contribute wherever, whoever, and now whatever. In Nehemiah 3, regardless of their different abilities and skill sets, whether they ever worked in construction, the people repaired or built the wall together. Using my um, potluck metaphor for community, everyone brings something to the table. Appetizer, salad, vegetables, meats and sides, desserts. And sometimes we give more importance to some people and underappreciate other people. Like, like for a potluck, we can easily think that those who bring drinks are getting off easy, as opposed to those who bring an entree. But imagine eating dry food without something to wash it down with. No food item is better than another. All are needed, and that goes for people too. There's richness in the diversity of our church and all contribute with whatever we have.
since uh, we cannot meet in one large group due to the pandemic, I, I really miss our holy chow lunches and Sunday refreshments. Remember those hot pigs in a blanket? More to the point, I miss my hospitality and holy chow crews I, that I worked with. I appreciate their all hands on deck work ethic. People love using their gifts and passions. And what seems too much work for some is joy to others when they get to contribute to a common goal, like connecting people through hospitality and food. The hard work is all worth it. When I remember stories like when one of our holy child chefs, Art Lu, looking over the crowd at one of our church dinners and telling me when I stood next to him, looking out the kitchen door, that he loved the loud noise coming from the fellowship hall. The smiling faces and the laughter in the room brought joy to his heart. The joy he felt was also in my heart and I believe was in the hearts of everyone in that room at that moment, enjoying table fellowship and community. Imagine if people of our church all contributed like the people in Nehemiah 3. There's joy in giving, there's joy in contributing. The last characteristic of church community I wanna point out that I see from Nehemiah 3 is that when we all contribute, we all benefit together. From our story in Nehemiah, we know that the wall was completed in 52 days. That's an amazing feat of construction. How was this accomplished? Well, for sure, it was because the people worked together doing their part. Like a potluck, everyone brings something to the table and everyone has a, as a whole benefits. In chapter three, the words next to is mentioned over and over again in the passage. The chapter actually sequentially described who was building what part of the wall around the city counterclockwise. On the micro level, you can say each family only was doing their small part in front of their houses. But on a macro level, they worked together to finish the greater common goal of building a wall around the city. This is so counterculture. We are usually looking out for our own interests first. We are self-centered by nature. We ask, how do I benefit from this deal? And when we are in survival mode, busy, hurting, we have a harder time sacrificing or working with and for others. We become myopic and miss the big picture. As followers of Jesus Christ, Jesus went to the cross to free us from those kinds of bondages that hold us back so we could have new kind of nature. We are freed from the worries and concerns of this world so we can serve and give to others, not out of abundance, but in response to Jesus' command to love others like ourselves and to serve the world, not for personal gain, but for the betterment of others and God's kingdom. Shoulder to shoulder, strength in numbers, oneness in attitude, all for one and one for all mentality the Israelites were circling the wagons, so to speak, to build and protect the city of Jerusalem. The completed wall would benefit all of them. Likewise, I am grateful how our church has an outward focus, being generous and looking out for the interest of others, for all of us to benefit. This past year, 
our church has been upping our awareness of social justice issues in our community and putting actions to our words. Our board of directors has committed $50,000 in the next year to be invested into ministries to partner with them in their work. As a start, I'm so excited along with our social justice team that we will support Black Campus Ministry of InterVarsity on a Cal Berkeley campus. And Turning Point Ministry, a women's shelter connected with Oakland City Team Ministry. Each ministry will receive from our church $8,000 given in 12 monthly payments. And this is just the beginning. There's going to be more ministries to come. God's community is rich in diversity. Everyone contributes, everyone benefits. In the context of church community, we are blessed to be a blessing to others. Going back to Nehemiah 3, I want to look at the example of a man named Baruch. In the NIV translation, verse 20 says, Baruch zealously repaired another section. Baruch's name means in Hebrew, blessed. The word zealous comes from the Hebrew word hra, to burn, to be hot, to be angry, to be passionate. I think Nehemiah called Baruch zealous because he saw how he worked with much energized focus and great vigor. He poured himself into the work and gave it everything he had. Baruch obviously was special. He was called out for his exemplary attitude. No one else in chapter three was called zealous except him. Baruch, whose name meant blessed, apparently knew who he was in God and zealously lived out that calling to be a blessing to others. This is a great lesson for us today. We desperately need to know who God believes we are. Like Baruch, we need to be totally infused with identity in Christ until it shows up in whatever we do. So how do we apply this into our lives? The best motive to do anything is to do it out of gratefulness. So let me ask you all to start by asking yourselves this question. How are you grateful this Thanksgiving for church community? This week, I encourage you to do something to show your gratefulness to someone in our church who has made a difference for you and your family this past year. I saw this saying somewhere recently, our tongue contains the secret of warm fellowship with others. Let's encourage someone today. So write a note, send an email, text or phone call, or better yet, Organize safe and sane ways to fellowship, to restore and rebuild community. Our women's ministry has hosted uh, several Zoom cooking classes for the women. The men in our church want to join in the fun. So, so to that end, my wife and I will have a Zoom gathering to make one ton. And Julie and Jerry Lee will be um, presenting their barbecue pork recipe. And a couple of Sundays from now on December 13. So everyone in our church is invited and I'm sure the details will be in our announcements and e-news. Or do a sweet encounters and drop off a treat at someone's doorstep. Or organize a small group 
hike outdoors with safe distancing. If you're comfortable and able, host a safe and sane backyard gathering for 10 people or less. I've been using my yard for this purpose and have been enjoying these smaller gatherings and realizing how life-giving they have been. I receive back more than I give. Try whatever you are comfortable with and know all can contribute so all can benefit. As the months continue to pass by because of the pandemic, with social distancing, it will be easy for us to forget the importance of fellowship. If we are not careful, this disconnection from Christian community will be damaging and cause some to even fall away from God. Be proactive to take steps to prevent lukewarmness. Be like Baruch and be zealous to protect your spiritual health and contribute to building back up church community. Hebrews 10 verses 24 to 25 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. God's community is rich in diversity. Everyone contributes, everyone benefits. This Thanksgiving, I am personally grateful for church community God's potluck, the church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you call us to be one big family. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made. You created us to be in community. We are not meant to be alone. And in our current times, we are all experiencing disconnectedness in some form or fashion. Heavenly Father, help us first to be connected to you where we can be filled by your spirit that brings peace and joy. And then help us remember to connect with others, especially those in our church family, so we can experience peace and joy that comes through being in one body. We remember to be thankful and grateful for how you have called us blessed so that we may be a blessing to others. Today, Heavenly Father, is also the first Sunday of Advent. We prepare and look forward to the coming of Christ. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. With grateful hearts, we pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.